You are welcome to a great moment in destiny. God is about to speak directly to you and the message coming right up is crafted by heaven not just to challenge you but to align your destiny. As you embrace divine instruction, expect that God's word is bringing about revival, healing, restoration and transformation to your entire life. With faith in your heart and great expectation, join me and receive God's word through his choice vessel, Apostle Goodheart Obi Ekoime. Please turn together with me to John 15 verse number 9 and John 13, 34, 35. 15:9 of first mention, let's read together as a family. One, two, three, go. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. That's a very heavy statement. In the same proportion, in the same way and manner I receive from my Father, I love you. You continue in my love. John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this shall men know that you are my disciples if you have loved one to another. For an assignment this morning, unlocking the love code. Unlocking the love code. Father, you have blessed the reading of your word. I beseech you again to bless the teaching and perhaps the preaching of the same word. I take my place behind the cross of Calvary. I decrease that you alone will increase today. Go beyond my study, contemplation, memory to speak expressly. Thus saith the Lord, with us always to give it the praise. As your church is edified, every devil terrified, let Jesus alone be glorified. In Jesus' wondrous name we pray. You may be seated, touch your neighbor, say, unlock the love code. It's time to unlock the love code. Hallelujah. Beloved, it goes without mention that the highest standards for living, whether by believers or any man possible, is by the very standard of the love of God. The highest standard for any human being to live here on the earth is by this very standard of the love of God because the standard itself is God. The Bible makes us understand that there are three forces that exist. The force of faith, the force of hope, and the force of love. But it says very clearly Amongst these three forces, the greatest of them is love. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13. And now abides faith, hope, and charity, which is the, uh, uh, the old colloquial word for love. Charity is love. But the greatest of these is charity or love. Why is that so? Because in the first place, for faith to be active, it needs the help of love to be active. Galatians 5 verse 6 says, B, that faith works by love. So for you to enjoy a full workings of faith, 
it needs to work by love. Faith works by love. So faith needs love to work properly and appropriately. And hope in itself is a, a positive expectation of a future. You are only bound to expect a positive future when you know the person of love, which is God. You only expect for an enviable future when you know God. So again, hope needs the functioning of love. The way to victory, beloved, as a child of God is the way of love. When you read the first Corinthians, the 13th chapter, is a chapter on love from verse 1 to verse 11 thereabout. Uh, you find many things said about love from verse 4 to verse 8 begins to give the characteristics of love. One of the foremost characteristics of love is thus, verse 8, says, love does not fail. It says, love never fails, right? But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will fail. They will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. But love does not fail. Kadoya. Which means a man who knows love and walks by love is a man who cannot fail. So the way to victory as a believer is the way to love. Beloved, whether you like to believe or not, the world we live in is a world that is stabbed of the genuine love of God. The world is in dire need, desperate of the true love of God. The love of God, when expressed to the most of greatest criminals, will soften the heart of a criminal. There's no heart too cold for God that the love of God cannot melt. Power may not melt it. Revolution may not melt it. People's ideas, philosophy may not melt it. But when a heart that is hardened really comes in contact with the general love of God, that heart will melt. That was what I believe melted the heart of one Saul on his way to Damascus to crucify, persecute the church. He met an encounter of the man of love. He said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he was persecuting the church. But that was an encounter with Jesus on a particular day. And from that day, a man who was once a hardened criminal became an instrument in the hand of God to do great and mighty things. The world we live in now is in great need of the love of God. John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. So when we speak about the word love, we think of many, many things. Some is about a feeling you have uh, when your other person, your spouse, treats you properly, you, you reciprocate, you respond to that. You know, uh, uh, when you look at Greek, there, there are three, four major words of, that speak of love. But the one we speak about is agape or agapel, which means the God quality of love. There's eros, and eros speaks as a word to infer erotic love, lustful love. There's filio, the love that is found amongst family, family love. But the love we speak about is agape or agapeo, which is a God quality and the God kind of love. What is that kind of love? It's a love that is willing and prepared to lay down one's life for another. That kind of love is selfless, right? And that kind of love largely loves 
an object, please listen, not because of the state of the object, whether right or wrong, but because the lover is love personified. Wow. So God loves me and loves you, not because you did right or did, did not do wrong. Do you get that? Let me rewind. God does not love you because he did right. And God does not love you because you did not do wrong. Why God loves you? Because God is love. It's important to get that. You know why? We will struggle to give the love we haven't received yet. No man can love like Jesus loved until we have embraced that kind of love. As it, as it said oftentimes, you can only give what you have. So, spouses who have not really been loved or know what love is, can't give love back. They don't know what it is. All they know is, you do me, I do you. My way or the highway. But we need to desire to encounter the God kind and the God quality of love. When we do, then we can reciprocate that love. Number one, to God and to God's own children. So God's kind of love is selfless, not selfish, not self-centered. It's selfless. Doesn't love you because you did right. It loves you because of the nature of love. The Bible does say that love is so strong, it is stronger than death. As I said earlier, it is a force that can melt the hardest of the hearts of any criminal possible. Unfortunately, not many believers have come to capture the revelation of the love of God towards them. If they did, they will live their lives a whole lot differently. As a matter of fact, the love of God is the foundation for successful Christian living. Psalm 11 verse 3 says, If the foundation be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So the foundation of the righteous is the foundation of the love of God. Track with me. The love of God must be the anchor from which you view life. On a compass, there is a reference point of the compass. There's a reference point, the compass takes a cue to know where the north is, where the south is, where the east is, where the west is. There's a reference point. In a like manner, when the compass lacks the reference point, it will not be able to articulate where the north is for real, where the south is, where the east is, where the west is. Likewise, for believers, please listen, the reference point of your compass of life as a believer is love. It is from that point you can know what faith is, what hope is, what anything else is, what joy is, from the point of knowing what love is. The love of God, when embraced, is actually the foundation for revival. It is. Because love of God is seen as the conduit pipe through which the power of God flows through. Why? Love is God personified. Look at the first century church in Acts of Apostles. Chapter 1, chapter 2, 3 and 4. 
chapter 2 in particular, begins to tell us that, that they had all things in common. They, 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 they gathered around the apostles' doctrine. They broke bread together. They ate one with another. And they fellowship and they prayed. So that they, they, they sold all they had, brought to the feet of the, of the apostles, and it was shared. They had all things in common. And that church grew as God designed it to grow. And I wonder, if that was able to happen in the first century church, supposedly not as mature as the church of this day and age, much more the church of today, or to walk in another heightened level of love, that is beyond what we get from each other, but loving because God first loved us. It says in 1 John 4 verse 19 that we are 18. It says we love because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. That means the only reason why we're able to pour back love to him and to others is if we have in the first place received love from him. Praise the Lord somebody. Receiving the love of God makes you whole. As a matter of fact, one of the things the enemy will attempt to do in the life of believers is to give us a wrong perspective of who God is. A wrong perspective. A wrong perspective. And I've shared oftentimes here that every man's perception is his reality. What you perceive me to be or who you perceive me to be, whether right or wrong, will be who I will manifest to you. Praise the Lord. Because the moment you perceive me in a particular light as a crook, as a trickster, as a con man, no matter what I say, rightfully so from here, you unfortunately have put on a pair of glasses. So whatever I see is colored by your lens to see me in the way you have chosen to see me. So your perception about me, though, is wrong, becomes your reality. It's not the reality of somebody next to you because they don't perceive me like you perceive me. Praise the Lord, somebody. Hello, somebody. They perceive me in a proper light that I am. Praise the Lord. And so, what they perceive me at will be their reality. Likewise, beloved, in our walk with God, the enemy has a ploy and a plan. What is it? To give us a pair of goggles to begin to see God in a particular light. He's wicked. He's cruel. He's a taskmaster. He causes sickness. He brings pain. He doesn't love me. He doesn't care. You know, now, the moment you think about God that way, that is the God you see all the time. My God. So, the deliverance we need is not so much of casting out some devil somewhere, but is to remove the lens we've seen God and to see him through the eyes of scripture to seem to be the Lord God as he is. And the moment we have the right perception and the right perspective, we begin to flow and receive of him as he really is. Are you hearing me? Praise the Lord, somebody. So we see, the love of God is likened unto a mystery. Or it's a mystery. It's a code that needs to be unlocked, needs to be unraveled through primarily the, through primarily the revelation of God. The Bible talks about the multi, multiple sides of the love of God in Ephesians 3.17. I'd like us to look at that. Ephesians 3.17. A prayer, Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. Just to look at that and we'll take it from there. Ephesians 3.17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. 
that you being rooted, hear the words now, grounded in love. So we're to be rooted, we're to be grounded. So if you're rooted and grounded in love, you're not easily shaken by anything else. When you're able to capture a revelation of God as being love, right? Uh, nothing you experience moves you from that reality. You may go through tests, you may go through difficulties, it doesn't change your reality. You're like the house that is built upon the rock. When the storms and the billows and the tempest come, you may rock a bit, but you are rooted and grounded in love. And ultimately, the things you experience that are momentary or temporal will change to come into alignment of who you know your God to be. Praise the Lord somebody. Praise the Lord somebody. Very important. Because, because oftentimes we, we think our pain is caused by God. Our difficulty is caused by God. So when we think about pain, we think about God. That's the enemy. The enemy wants you to think that your God is not such a good God after all. He said to Adam and Eve, did God really, really say, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you would die? Did he really, really say, is he really a good God? The day you eat, you will see and be like him. So the devil is always trying to put a smoke screen over our eyes to give us a wrong image and perception of the God that is not who he is. Your God is love. Your God is faithful. Hello, somebody. Your God is liberal. Your God is a giver. He will withhold no good thing from them that walk uprightly. He gives you all things liberally and freely to enjoy. That's your God. Praise the Lord, somebody. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, one dimension, what is the length, another, what is the depth, another, what is the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. Sounds like a paradox to know, pass knowledge, that you might be filled. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. With all of the fullness of God. Wow. Now that means this knowledge is not found at the surface level. It's a mystery. It needs to be unlocked. It needs to be uncoded. Praise the Lord. Just like a, 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 a combination lock that, that locks your safe, whatever it is. If you don't know the code, you just can't open it. As much as you cry, shout, you can't open it. Likewise, love of God is a mystery. It needs to be uncoded. And it can only be uncoded by asking God to give you the revelation. Of the love of God. Praise the Lord somebody. And the beauty is this. The love of God actually is what the Bible calls the fullness of God. The more of the revelation of God's love you know you have. The more of the fullness of God you have access to walk in. Praise the Lord somebody. Be rooted. Be grounded in the love of God. Perception is your reality. You know I, I'm reminded of the. The story of the two sons, we call the story the story of the prodigal son, but that's not really what the story is. In uh, Luke 15, Luke 15 talk, I call that the chapter of the loss, L-O-S-S. -S. Uh, three, three parables that speak about losses. Number one, the shepherd who lost one sheep, left one sheep to go in search for 99. And of course, the woman with 10 silver coins who lost one coin, lit up a lamp, 
and searched very passionately and found the one missing coin. Then the third loss speaks about the father who has two sons, the older son and the younger son. The subject of that story is the father, not the prodigal son. A lot of light has been thrown on the prodigal son for obvious reasons, but really it wasn't per se as much about the prodigal as much it was about a loving father. Praise the Lord. And this father incidentally had two sons, one older, one younger. I would like to call the older one law and the younger one grace. Because the law came before grace. Praise the Lord. And this younger boy, uh, he knew a thing or two about the father that sometimes believers today don't quite know. The boy was assured of his right and privileges. And he went for it. Right? Some believers don't even know their rights and the privilege of the Lord. They think that God is mean, God is wicked, God doesn't heal, doesn't prosper, doesn't bless. You know. But this son knew that as a son of a good father, I have an inheritance. Right. Whilst he knew that to be right, the only thing he did wrong primarily was that he placed a demand for his inheritance prematurely. Alright? He said, give me what is due me that I may go and expend it. Then he got what was his. Because the father knew, he knew his right. <laughs> I believe the father in heaven desires for believers to know their rights and their privileges. That we will learn, as the Bible says, to come boldly to the throne of grace, not timidly. Not our conscience seared with sin consciousness, with a sense of, of knowing that our father has invited us to gain access to him. Right. He got that. But he went. You know the story. Spent all he had. Began to be in want. Verse 11 also says, uh, 17 I think says, he came to himself. When he came to himself, he went back to his father's house and the father embraced him. You know the story. Just uh, typical kindergarten story we, we, we learned growing up as believers. But the point I want to buttress is the older brother, <laughs> uh, when he saw the father was throwing a party, when the son came back, was restored, was angry. He said, hey dad, hey dad, I've been with you these many years, I've been, I've been working like a dog, I've been sleeping out. You haven't even given me one little chicken, one goat to, 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 to eat with my friends. You know, he's such a mean guy. You know, because the older son perceived the father to be a withholder. Am I helping somebody? Am I going over your head? Right. He, he had a wrong perception of the dad. Dad is not withholder. Dad said, son, all I have is yours. If at any time you wanted healing, ask for it. You want breakthrough, ask for it. You want to be preserved? Ask for it. It's yours for your asking. Don't look at me like a mean father. I have it for you. It's not about me. It's about you. Praise the Lord. So, the law is a person that perceives God to be a tyrannical father. And perceives the father to be so that you have to work to earn what only grace can make available. Am I helping somebody here? 
Praise the Lord, Solomon. So, largely, that story was about a kind father who was generous, large-hearted. Praise God. Not about the older brother or the younger brother, but the father himself. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. Hallelujah. Let me show you a bit about this, your father. His thoughts towards you. Jeremiah 29, 11. So they can begin to see how God sees you. How God thinks about you. Sometimes we, we, we're working hard to gain the attention of God. Let me make this statement so you can get me right. God will always love you. Amen. You disbelieve? But God may not always be pleased with you. Praise the Lord. Because bringing up pleasure is not the same thing as God loving you. God loves you because his nature is love. Right? But you can also live a way that will bring God pleasure and delight. But God will never cease to love you. It's a hard statement, but it's a reality. You see, when you begin to pick up this insight in scripture, it it, it strengthens your faith to perceive God in the light right or right light and as such you can believe him to be who he is. Oh boy. Okay, let me help you out. Religion and teachings have come to largely indoctrinate the minds of many believers listen carefully that has brought unnecessary fear when it comes to how they relate with their dad. And you must understand, reverential fear is not the same thing as fear. Yes, we must reverence him as our heavenly father. But we're not called to be afraid of him in that light. Why? Since the Lord has not given you or I the spirit of fear. He's a spirit. Second Timothy 1, 7. Yeah. The Lord has not given you a spirit of fear, but has given you a power love and a sound mind so the spirit of fear is not from god it's alien to god and as long as you are afraid you can't believe him as long as you are afraid of god you'll be running from god but the moment you embrace his love you can draw near to him as he invited you to draw near and he will in turn draw near to you so jeremiah 29 11 for i know can put your name there the thoughts that I think toward you, good heart, say the Lord, what are those thoughts? Thoughts of what? Come on, people of God, thoughts of peace. Yeah. And not of evil, to give you what? Unexpected. This is your loving father. Listen, the Bible says, he's mindful of you. Woo, hallelujah. That gets me excited. What? He's mindful of me. Little speck on the earth. That's the reality. God is mindful of you. you. You know your worth and your value in the eyes of God? You're not some speck of the dust on the earth somewhere. Never do well. Black sheep of the family. Some failure. No, sir. You are God's choice property. How you know the value of a thing is what a purchaser is willing to exchange for it. Hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. 
Hello, somebody. The Bible says, what shall it profit you to gain the whole world and lose your soul? That means your soul, one soul, is more valuable than the whole world. Not just that. Jesus left his father, left the heavenlies to come to the earth to purchase you and to purchase me. First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. He says, you are bought with a price. Hello, somebody. You are bought with a price. The word redeem is to buy back. Yes. He bought you back from the open market of sin. Mm, mm, mm. Where nobody wanted you. When they dropped you like a hot iron. When they refused you, rejected you. When they denied you, he came for you. For you are bought with a price. What price? The price of the life of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, he said, you are to glorify your God in your body, in your spirit, which are what? Which are God's. Your body belongs to God. Your spirit belongs to God. How come? He bought you. You are God's property. Hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. If you valued nothing, he wouldn't give his best for you. Romans 8, 32. What shall, 31. What shall we say concerning these things? If God be for us, who will be against us? Then it says, if God, 32. If God did not spare his son Jesus, uh, but delivered him what? Up for us all. How shall he not with what? With Jesus give us freely all things. You are bought with a full price. Not on a discount. You are God's property. So that is an indication of your worth and your value in the eyes of your heavenly father. Wow. He loved you when you are not lovable. Romans 5 verse number 8. And God commended his love towards us. Not commanded. He commended. So it's a commendation. This is how he expresses his love. Wow. Let's read that together. God commended his love. Towards who? Oh, come on. Come on, Roger. Towards me. In that, while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for who? For me. Wow. You see that now? If I was a sinner, he loved me and died for me. Was it about me being a sinner that made him love me? No. He doesn't love sin. It was just his nature being expressed to follow mankind. The entire story of the Bible is a love story. It's a love story. A love story of a father who created children to, to, to share his glory with them. And they were given free will to make choices. And they made a wrong choice. And from Genesis to Revelation is a story of how that loving father came chasing after them. Wow. One chapter after the other. One verse after the other. He came chasing after you. When you were in, drunk in the beer parlor, he came chasing after you. When you were hanging out with three women all at the same time, he came chasing after you. When you falsified documents, do you know Christ then? He came chasing after you. When you were, did all kinds of laundry, he came chasing after you onto the point where you bowed your knees and said, Jesus, here I am. Listen, you, you thought you found God? No, God found you. I have not found Christ. No, 
You couldn't find Christ. Nobody can find Christ. Nobody comes to the Father except by Jesus until God reveals himself, his mercy that found you. You're not that good. You're not that good either. When you and I were sinners, he commended his love. What? This kind of love is not normal love. As sinners, how much more now you're blood washed, you're blood bought, your tongue speaking for some of you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to look at a few things that help us to unlock the various attributes of the nature of God as being love. So love is a mystery. It's a code that needs to be unlocked. I want to see a few things about this love. First John 4, 16 and 17, very quickly. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. You see that? And God in him. Okay. He that dwells in love dwells in God. Alright. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness. Wow. In the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Beloved, we need to strive, please, to capture this all important revelation of the love of the Father to you. You know what? It is what will give you and I boldness in the day of judgment. That he's coming for the one he loved. Not necessarily for the one who is perfect. The one who is work in progress towards perfection, right? But is coming for the one whom he loved. That gives you confidence to embrace him at his coming. Otherwise, in the day of judgment, you may call and cower back and no, no, say, oh, 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 me little worm. No, you're not a little worm. You're valuable. You're priceless. If nobody expresses their value and their worth, look at the scriptures. God has shown you in the Bible who you are, your worth and your value. Praise the Lord, somebody. So number one nature, we look at the nature of God, which is unlocking the, the various uh, aspects of love. We've seen number one that love is the greatest. First Corinthians 13 verse 13. Love is the greatest of these three forces. Hope, faith, love is the greatest. We see number two, that love is that that covers the multitude of sins. We're trying to unlock the mystery of love. Number one, is the greatest. You win by love. Number two, love covers the multitude of sins. Proverbs 10, 12 as a reference point. Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirreth up stripes, but love covers all sins. So by love, when we repent, our sins come, sins come under the blood of the Lamb and they are covered. The Bible declares... As far as the east is from the west, so has God removed our sins from us. That would be Psalm 103, I believe, possibly around verse 11 or verse 17. That as far as the east is from the west, God has removed our sins. Verse 7, I think it is. Number three, we understand about love that love is the only debt we owe believers. You owe every child of God love. Romans 13 verse 8. Romans 13 verse 8. Reference point. Owe no man anything but to love one another. 
For he that loveth, wow, another has fulfilled the law. So in loving each other, we're fulfilling our scriptures. It's the golden scripture. It's the master key to fulfilling all scriptures. To love. You can't walk in love and hate at the same time. You can't walk in genuine love and walk in envy, jealousy, malice, pride. No. Love excludes that. So we owe each other one thing. I owe you one thing. is to love you. Hello somebody. And we owe each other in this love family love to one another. Another aspect of the nature of the love of God I inferred to it earlier is that there is no fear in love. Fear, or better say, love excludes fear. 1 John 4, 17 and 18, reference point. 1 John 4, 17 and 18. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Wow. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So track here. When love is established in the heart of a believer, fear can stand there. Wow. So if you're dealing, listen, don't miss this. This will help you. If you're dealing with fear in any area of your life, one key is to ask the Lord to give you a revelation of his love for you. Wow. Because you can't capture the revelation of his love and still be afraid. Why? Perfect love casts out all fear. So I put it this way. Love and fear are mutually exclusive. That will go together. So, there's no fear in love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Another aspect of the love of God. is found in Romans 8.33. Quite lengthy, but I'll summarize that. Is that nothing is powerful enough to separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Look at what it says. Romans 8.33 Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that dieth. Yea, rather that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? You see that now? It begins to mention things. Shall tribulation? No. Shall distress? No. Shall persecution? Shall famine? Shall nakedness? Or peril? Or son? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. Wow. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Hear this now. Nay, in all these things, oh yeah, 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 yeah. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Hallelujah. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. It's amazing. It's amazing. Nothing can separate you. Death, life, persecution, affliction, hunger, thirst, famine, nothing. That's how powerful the love of God is towards you 
and towards me. And as we prepare our heart to go to the table of covenant, I want us to consider that what it means to come to the table of covenant is to come to an altar, is to come to a cross. And a cross really is the join of two sticks. There is the horizontal aspect of the cross and the vertical aspect of the cross. Track with me. The love of God is a three-way. Number one, we must first and foremost receive the vertical as God's love to us. Very important. You can't give what you don't have. So our prayers, God, open me up to understand your love, the length, the breadth, the depth, the height. As I embrace that love, you give me the grace to also return that love to you, right? But at the same time also to be able to res respond to others around me. That's a horizontal. That's a cross. The meeting point between humanity and divinity. The table of covenant is an altar. It's a cross. It speaks of where Jesus, wow, became the totality of sin for mankind that we might be totality of his righteousness. He became weak. May be made strong, became poor, may be made rich, became fearful, quote unquote, and may be made bold and courageous. So there's a, a, an exchange at the table of covenant. As we go before the table of covenant with a heart of gratitude, remember it is love that gave us access to receive of the many things God has made available to us today. At no charge, I said earlier in the first part of the service, that faith is the hand that receives what grace has made available. You have just experienced the preaching and teaching ministry of Good Heart Obi Ekweme, lead pastor of Revival House of Glory International Church, Rogic, and the apostolic leader of the Horn of Revival Ministry, a global outreach ministry mandated to carry the touch of revival across cities and nations. If you would like to ask a question, share your prayer request or testimony, or get more messages or books from Apostle Goodheart, please call or text 0805-223-4444 or email info at rogic.org. That is info at rhogic .org. Also download the Horn of Revival Ministry app on Google Play or Apple Store to connect with a variety of quality resources including Rogic Radio and our refreshing daily devotions to take you higher in life. And for real-time ministry, you can follow Apostle Goodheart on Twitter. The handle is at Pastor Goodheart. And on Instagram, the handle is at Apostle Goodheart. Keep hearing the Word of God. It will produce intimacy with your spirit for uncommon encounters on the 